Last fall, my grandma passed away, and at the viewing, at the viewing for the funeral, there were a couple of guys from Meridian who drove to Danville, Illinois from Indianapolis, and they got in the line. It was a long line that night, and they waited. And they were really excited to learn that a woman right next to them was my cousin, who was really happy to spill the dirt on me. Now, uh, those guys really enjoyed hearing all the bad stories about me, and you, didn't you, Doug? Doug's one of them. He's one of the, he really liked that. So I was thinking, today my brother's here from uh, St. Louis, and I'm going to embarrass him. So Andrew, will you come up and share stories about me? No, I'm just kidding. I just had to do that to you. So I figured since my brother's here, he has way, way more dirt on me than even my cousin does. So I'm going to try to butter him up just a little bit and say something positive about him. Uh, Even though it's hard because yesterday when we were in men's group, Doug, the one who likes the dirt on me, was saying, oh yeah, your brother, he's the tall, thin one, right? You're the stocky one. (laughs) Thanks, Doug. I'm I'm the stocky one. So... Uh, but I'm going to be nice today, I think. I'm going to try to try to butter him up. So um, before we do that, I want to get into the content of, uh, of the scriptures. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the book of Colossians and how the Apostle Paul wrote it and sent it. And so there's a whole lot of different ideas about it, but we're going to do a brief recap here. So just bear with me while we do some names. So the thought is that Paul wrote uh, the book of Colossians from a Roman prison. And he sent it with a couple of messengers, Tychicus and Onesimus. So you don't have to remember those names very well. I know those those sound sound confusing. Uh, But while they were there, so the, the idea is that Tychicus and Onesimus left Rome and they made a 950 mile journey by land and by sea that was really difficult. And they were charged with taking Paul's letter to the church. And not only were they, they didn't just drop it off in a mailbox, but they were charged with uh, the ones who, who brought it and taught it. So they were representing Paul. This was a great honor. It was a really important role. We mentioned last week that in Paul's big letter to uh, the Romans, that he chose somebody named Phoebe. And Phoebe was one of the ones, the first one to preach and teach Romans, uh, which is really important. But as, as we get into that, um, I, I want to think, think some about, uh, I'm, I just want to read some of the scripture. So we'll start with Colossians 4-7. It says this, Tychicus will tell you all about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. And then next in Ephesians, it says Tychicus, there's that name again. Tychicus, uh, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Next in, uh, let's see, where are we going next? Philemon, it says, Onesimus is a very dear brother as a brother in the Lord. So you may have noticed that in there we have uh, three, four di- three different letters. We had two different names. Again, I know this gets a little confusing, but I think it'll make sense a little bit later. Tychicus, you don't have to remember his name, okay? You can let that one go. But he's mentioned in the letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians in Onesimus, who's mentioned in the letter 
uh, to the Colossians and one called Philemon. So there are three letters that mention these two people. So uh, actually, and, and we're going to, so, so who was it that took each letter to each place? There are four different places that we're going to talk about here. Four different places, because one of them is called uh, Laodicea. So this different, there's a map there. It kind of lays out the Rome all the way. You see where Ephesus is. You see where Colossae is and Laodicea. Uh, so within that, um, it was Paul, Paul had sent Tychicus and Onesimus to do Colossians. Paul just sent Tychicus to do Ephesians. But Onesimus delivered one called Philemon. We don't know who, we don't know much about Laodicea because <clears throat> we've lost that one. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to spend that time on Paul's shortest letter, which is called Philemon. And here's kind of one of the theories. We don't know exactly what happened, uh, but we think that maybe Paul sent these letters from a Roman prison, and maybe all four at once that he sent Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Laodicea. Laodicea. So, uh, Philemon. So we're going to talk some about Philemon. Who was Philemon? Philemon was a Christian at the church of Colossae. Uh, he was, at some point, he knew, he knew Paul <coughs> and became a Christian. Um, and, and he had a slave. And this is where it's going to get a little bit tricky, but he had a slave no, named Onesimus. And at some point, Onesimus ran away from Philemon, probably to Rome, where he met Paul, he became a Christian, and he became a really trusted servant of, of the Lord with Paul. He became a leader in the church. He was so trusted that Paul sent him to go deliver a couple of letters for him and be his spokesperson. Now this is really con- it's confusing to us because Paul knows these people, and he's taking this runaway slave, Onesimus, and he's sending him back to his slave master. Is that concerning to you? Yeah, okay. So let's talk about this and, and think about what Paul is sending this former slave back to. So we're going to start with Philemon 1.1. Paul is identifying himself. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our dear brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. So I think a lot of us here are left with this difficult question. Why would Paul send a former slave, an escaped slave, back to his former slave master who still claims ownership of him? Before we really try to answer this, I want to talk just a little bit about the differences between Roman slavery and slavery pre-Civil War in the United States. There's some kind, sometimes called the Atlantic slave trade where people would go and kidnap people from Africa take them to different parts of the world, including the United States. So there are some similarities and some differences of that. One of the big, big differences with Roman slavery from the Atlantic slave trade was that this slavery was not race-based. That came later as a way of identifying it was an evil invention of the devil, of Satan, to try to, to, to it, just a terrible thing. But Roman slavery was not race-based. So why were people enslaved in the Roman world. There were a couple of reasons. The number one reason probably is because people were in debt. So slaves, 
or people owed people a lot of money, and to work off their debt, they sold themselves as a slave, where they agreed to work for somebody for so many years until their debt was paid off. Um, so whether the, and another one too was to pay, another way to say it is a political debt. Whereas if your country resisted Rome and you got defeated, sometimes slaves were a spoil of war. Awful thing, but that's, that's kind of how it was. So we think probably Onesimus was one who was in debt and had sold himself to Philemon. We can't be sure about that. Um, one of the things that was different is that for Rome, unlike in the United States and other places, it was common for slave masters to give freedom to their slaves. So when Paul is sending back Philemon, we know this from the context of the letter, he's not sending him back just because he's complying with Roman law and he's, he's just trying to give uh, property back to Philemon. He's actually uh, doing something a lot different. So we're going to, Paul gets to the chase, he offers some nice words, and it's interesting because he identifies himself as a prisoner, as one in bondage, uh, to somebody who had previously owned another human being and still had some claims. So we're going to go into Philemon 1, 8 through 9. Paul wrote this, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is, as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul here uses a gentle approach instead of by force. He's using, he's appealing to love. Um, and I think, and that, that might trouble, like why didn't Paul just demand it? Uh, one of the things that he could have done, Philemon. This is maybe some of us is, is what we would picture that we would say to Philemon. Philemon, you idiot. Jesus said he came. When he came, he came to set the captives free. How can you think that it's okay to keep another person in bondage to you? You know, and maybe he's right if he said that, but that's not the approach that he took. Um, and, and for a lot of us, maybe we won't, would want Paul to be more forceful. But, uh, but what he does Instead of saying, as an apostle, by the power vested in me by God Almighty God, release the slave. In instead, he's doing something back. So let's look at Philemon 1, 12 through 14. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. Paul was not sending him back to be enslaved again. And I think another thing that Paul's doing here, he's not acting like a slave master to the guy who was a slave master. He's, he's trying to do it a different way. A way, again, that maybe we think that it would have been better to be more demanding. But maybe Paul's approach was more strategic. Maybe it was more effective. In the book Simply Jesus by N.T. Wright, N.T. Wright says... The work of the kingdom, in fact, is summed up pretty well in the Beatitudes of Jesus. When God wants to change the world, he doesn't send in the tanks. He sends the meek, the mourners, those who are hungry and thirsty for God's justice, the peacemakers, and so on. So the way in which these humans... 
So the way in which these humans then have to behave if they are to be agents of Jesus' lordship reflects vulnerable, gentle, but powerful, self-giving love. It is because of this that the world has been changed by people like William Wilberforce campaigning tirelessly to abolish slavery. By Desmond Tutu. Working and praying not just to end apartheid, but to end it in such a way as to produce a reconciled, forgiving South Africa. It's pretty amazing. Now, listen to what Paul says about what he thinks is going on here. Philemon 1, 15 through 16. He says, Perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother. There's that term again. Dear brother. Paul's using it over and over. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. Both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Paul, again, he wasn't sending Onesimus back to be a slave again. He was sending him back so that he would receive his freedom and wouldn't have to look over his back anymore. He was persuading very, pretty strongly because he was confident that Philemon would, would do what he asked. He knew his character. He knew he was going to do the right thing and let him free. Imagine if Paul would have demanded this slavery. Do you think he could have welcomed him back as a brother? I'm not sure that he could have. Um, just think of the, the... Paul had confidence in the power of the gospel and ministry of reconciliation that despite seemingly irreconcilable differences. I mean, a former slave and a former, former slave master, there's a lot of feelings there, there's a lot going on. Despite seeming to have these almost insurmountable differences, Paul had confidence that the gospel could bring reconciliation. This was not forced, but it was free. Just as one of our favorite Christmas songs that we do says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Now let's look into, let's get back in Philemon 121, what he's, he's saying. Confident of your obedience. Paul was very confident Keep in mind, he knows about Philemon. He knows his character. He knows him well enough to know that he is going to welcome him back as a brother. And I want to make a comment here just to pause and point out something that I think is important to to point out here. Paul is not sending Philemon, or he's not sending to Philemon his former slave so that he can abuse him again. Paul's not sending someone to be abused in a situation. He knows what's going to happen. He knows very confidently. So this isn't just saying, hey, you know, go back to your enslavement. Go back to abuse or whatever. He's saying here that he is confident. Because to reconcile between two people who have seemingly irreconcilable differences, it really takes two people. And Paul was confident that the two people would be able to do so. So I want to point that out there. Paul goes on there in Philippians 1.21, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing 
that you will do even more than I ask. I want to think before, think about, what do you think forced compliance produces? If you are forced to do something, how do you react? What's that? I want to hear these answers. Yeah, resentment. I might do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Do you, do you go over and above when you're forced to do something? Anybody? I, I hate being manipulated. I don't know about you, but I hate it. If somebody tries to force me to do something, my, my, I want to resist. When you force compliance, usually it's the bare minimum that you get, right? The person may comply if they have to, but they are not going to go above and beyond. Let's, let's go back to the United States. So after the, in the aftermath of the Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment and the Union victory in the Civil War, they could, the United States outlawed slavery. Slave masters were forced to give freedom to their slaves. But did it take away the racism? Did it take away trying to keep people down? Did it bring about true reconciliation just because people were forced to do something? I think all of us, or at least most of us, would say absolutely not. It, it, it could stop, the United States forced people to stop claiming people as property, but it couldn't stop cruel and degrading behavior towards other people. Now when you choose obedience, when it's obedience and not just forced compliance, when it's obedience... You go the extra mile. There's this wholeheartedness. You do the extra thing. Another way that we could say it is obedience is your whole heart's in it, and it leads to this is love that we're talking about here. Not forced compliance, but the freedom to choose, the freedom to obey, the freedom to love. All right, so let's go back to Andrew, my brother. You get nervous? No? Okay, he's, he's confident. He's the baby in the family. So I am the firstborn. I'm the oldest, and I'm a little bit stereotypical. Uh, I, I, I sometimes worry a lot about compliance with rules. Rules are pretty important to me. There's a tendency sometimes with people like me and firstborns where we can be a little bit legalistic and judgmental. And that's one of the things where God knew I needed a younger brother uh, to challenge that. And so one of the ways that he's helped me out with this um, was, uh, actually, I love Weird Al Yankovic. Any Weird Al Yankovic fans in here? His parodies to me are hilarious. As much as I appreciate the art that, that comes from Weird Al, Andrew, my brother, wrote my favorite parody of all time. So at, just as Weird Al uh, taught us that you don't have to be a good singer to do a great parody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the parody that Andrew taught me. You ready for this? It's not going to sound pretty. Okay, yeah, video this, Evan. Ready? They will know we are Christians. Sing with me. It'll make it less awkward. They will know we are Christians by our rules, by our rules. They will know we are Christian by our rules. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so we did that song as the second song in honor of my brother today to thank him for that parody. 
But it, it makes a really good point to me because rules can be important sometimes. But something that's even more important is love. And that's why our whole mission, the mission that Jesus gave us, is to make disciples who are known for love. Like, that's what he wanted us to be identified. Not, not for rule compliance, and I'm not saying rules are throw them all out and live in anarchy. I'm just saying that the marker that Jesus put on his followers was that we would be known for our love. And it's a really, really good point to me to remember what we are to be known for. As we uh, kind of wrestle with this and what it looks like, I love the power of the gospel, the gospel that Jesus gave us that truly is good news. It's good news of great joy for all people. And as Paul would proclaim, there's no slave or free, male or female, and we're all one in Christ, that Christ leveled the playing field, and, and now we're these brothers and sisters, we're sons and daughters. Uh, I, I just love it. We're no, longer, we're no longer slaves. And thinking about debts, because Onesimus was probably in slavery because he owed a debt. And that was one of the things Paul said. Hey, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it back. Hey, you owe me everything, so I'm going to mention that. But if, if you're going to charge him anything, charge it to me. I'll get you the money, whatever you say he owes you. But the gospel says that our debts can be wiped clean, that we can all be experience freedom, that we're no longer slaves to sin or to death or to hate or to, to the different kinds of chains that seek to, buy it, to bind us. Philemon 1.10, Paul wrote this. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul was willingly putting himself in the place of a servant to, to point out that this one guy was a son. And now we celebrate, we're no longer slaves, but we're the sons and daughters of God. When we look to Christ, that Christ can set us free from everything that seeks to bind us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as, as it was said about Jesus, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Freedom is a really important concept in the gospel. It was in Jesus' proclamation when he went and preached it back at his home synagogue but the freedom that we have in Christ. So as a church, one of the things that we try to do is just to lift, lift up Christ and let him draw people to himself. And if you feel any sort of sense of being drawn to Christ, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. This is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we'll have it up here on the screen, I think. Um, and, and it's just the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So here's, will you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've been uh, looking at words today that Paul perhaps wrote from a Roman prison. Now we're going to turn and just close that Paul wrote to a Roman people, the Roman people. I love...
how, how Paul wrote this in Romans 13.8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, you are holy and good and worthy of all our praise. In both the Old Testament and the New, you proclaimed freedom for the captive. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So set us free from all the chains that try to bind us, so that we can use our freedom not to indulge the sinful nature, but to proclaim freedom and to serve one another in love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The book of Philemon, the letter to Philemon ends. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.